0: Well, I tell you, uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Pastor Dan, one of the pastors here at the church, and I have so enjoyed this series. One of my favorite parts about this series is I, you might have to turn me down because I'm going to be really loud, but yeah, the favorite part of this series is I have not had to worry about what I was going to wear. Man, alive am I happy. I was like, Mary, we need uniforms. Honestly. What a gift that has been in my life, not to have to worry about what I'm wearing. It's amazing how often people comment about what I'm wearing. It has been one of the more interesting parts of being a pastor is people talk a lot about my clothes. But I've enjoyed this series, the topics covered so much, resonating deep in my soul This is love. Remember that sermon? I actually just watched that sermon again this week. I'd encourage you to go back to that sermon. A very powerful sermon on how we love, who we love. And of course, we serve. Serving has got to be a part of the normal Christian walk. And then last week, Pastor Jesse did such a good job talking about growing, that we grow in the Lord. We're not a stale pond, right? We, we're not just some isolated uh, water that gets moldy and stale. We are a rushing river that is growing and flowing in the name of Jesus. And by the way, as your pastor, I'm not saying these things as like a wish list. <laughs> these aren't the pipe dream, you know, fantasies of life spring. Like I, what I'm saying is this is actually us church. This is us. Like right now, this is us. This is a place where we love. This is a place where we serve. This is a place where we grow. And so if that's true, if that's who we are, we love, we serve, we grow, what the series is more than anything is, well, then let's lean into that. Can we lean into that? If this is who we are, well, what does that really look like? If this is who we are, then Holy Spirit, would you come and teach us? Holy Spirit, teach us, convict us. The worst thing that any of you could do is like just kind of come in and I know how to love and I know how to serve and I know how to grow. And then you're just waiting for a pastor to confirm everything you already knew. That would be silly. You could have just stayed home because you already knew everything anyways. You know what I'm talking about today? This is to say, God... I, yeah, I I am loving, and, and if I look back at who I was, I'm more loving today than I was, but I also know that I have more room to grow. I have, and there's, there's just parts of me that still need to learn how to love. So, Holy Spirit, teach me how to love. That's what we're doing today. We go. And I'm proud of the way that we go, church. I love the way that you go out there and tell people about Jesus, but could we all admit that maybe there's just a little bit of us that says, you know what, but I want to learn. Yes, I've been there. Yes, I had that experience in 1978 and I had that experience in 2012, but I want to have an experience in 2024 where I go in the power and authority that is found in the mighty name of Jesus. So let's say it together. We go. Amen. And we go today, this sermon, it's all going to come from the Bible, which is a good place for it to come from. But you see this again and again in the Bible, this idea of Going and going in the name of the lord. I do not have time to share all the stories But I want to share a couple of stories from the bible right away. I think of abraham remember when abraham went Hebrews talks about it by faith abraham when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance What did he do say it with me? He obeyed and he went Called to go and he obeyed and he went even though, this is pretty incredible, even though he did not know where he was going. He was called to go and he went. Think about Moses. We're reading about Moses right now in the daily reading plan. I'd love for you to sign up for that. But the reading plan is talking about this exodus from Egypt. Kind of a scary proposition the Lord gives to him. He, he asks Moses to encounter and to approach and to talk to Pharaoh. <laughs> kind of scary. A lot of people probably lose their lives trying to do something like that. And yet the Lord asks him to talk to Pharaoh. And what happens? God delivers his people from Egypt. Praise the Lord. But did you notice in that story, even today, in the reading today, did you notice how God is using Moses? It's God who's delivering his people. But have you noticed that he's using humans just like you and me? It's Moses's obedience to go. Moses dies. Who comes after Moses? Who's the leader that comes after Moses? Joshua, is Josh, Joshua asked to go? You better believe it. Where is he going? Yeah, he's going to the promised land. He's crossing the Jordan River. Listen to this from Joshua chapter 1. Be strong and courageous. This is the Lord speaking to Joshua. He says, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Three verses later, Joshua, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Joshua, don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Well, that's a promise. That's encouraging. Wherever you go, Joshua, I will be with you, declares the Lord. So that's a couple in the Old Testament. Flip to the New Testament. Several stories in the New Testament. Right away, when you're in the Gospels, I think about Jesus and his disciples. During Jesus' earthly ministry, does he ever call his disciples to go anywhere? You bet. He sends them out. Do you remember this? Look at this. Matthew chapter 10. He says, I want you to go to the lost sheep of Israel. Very specific assignment in this chapter. Go to the lost sheep of Israel. And as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Now freely give. So that's pretty powerful to me. Isn't that a powerful statement? I think that's pretty incredible. But think of this. I was thinking about this this week. How many disciples are in his, like, circle there? Twelve? That's right. So you got these twelve disciples and Jesus. Can we all admit that is the most epic life group ever? (laughs) Like, wouldn't you want to be a part of that life group? Wow, I mean the the times they must have had together and and it's the perfect size not too small not too big Like I I can fit 12 people in my living room 13. I don't know but 12. That's a good number And yet as you read the gospels, you know where i'm going with this From a pretty early point in his ministry. He begins to send out his life group And can we just hear this today? The healthiest life group is the one who sends out their very best to reach more people for Christ. And we got to have the heart of Christ who sent his best to reach people. It's another scene. There's 72 this time. 72 others. And he sends them out two by two. Sends them out ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. And he tells them very familiar passage. But listen to what he tells them. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, what? To send out. Send out workers into the harvest field. Go! Go! I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. All right, that's during his earthly ministry. But then, you know the story. Jesus dies on the cross. He raises from the grave. But after his resurrection, think about what he tells them. He tells them, we we know it as the Great Commission, but what does he tell them? You've heard it again. It's a very familiar passage. He says, therefore, say it with me, go, therefore, go. Go, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And I love this part. And surely I am with you always. To the very end of the age. So now, Jesus, the resurrected Christ, the risen Lord, he commands us to go. So, 2024, here we are, February, Super Bowl Sunday. As followers of Jesus, guess what? He's still calling you to go. This is us. We go. This is us. We go. But where? Don't you want to know where? Like, where? Well, I'm not going to answer that for you. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) Fred. You get to discern that one for yourself. You get to discern that with the Lord. And there's lots of things you can use to help you discern that. Read the Bible. Oh, man, the Bible will help you discern. Lean in to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit loves to lead us. He's really good at it. Ask your brothers and sisters in the faith. Join a life group. Take a class. Come Sunday mornings. Lean in. The Holy Spirit is really good at his job, but so is the family, the body of Christ. I love being a part of the body of Christ. You can discern through prayer. Have you ever prayed before? Try it. It's awesome. Fasting. Fasting, what a wonderful thing fasting is. I love Debbie. She has this really good um, reading plan that she put up on YouVersion that talks about fasting. Fasting is a wonderful way to be able to hear from the Lord, to have breakthrough in your life, to know what to do and where to go. So you get to discern that and discern it with the Lord, with His Spirit, by His Word, and with others. But you know what? I want you to hear this from your pastor today. I'm not convinced that where is really the issue with the topic of we go. I'm not convinced. Maybe that's just my opinion. But I think the bigger issue with we go is that no matter where, Jesus is the leader. I am the... Two points. (laughs) She said, I am the follower. So Jesus is the leader. I am the so wherever come on church we got to have this settled in our hearts today where what we all our, well I don't know and then they, no 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 wherever he is leading me to go that's what i want settled in our hearts today that we would make that commitment god wherever the most important thing is you're the leader and i am the follower i will go where you're asking me to go that's what matters, church. And then, by the way, wherever you go, tell people about Jesus. Can we do that? Wherever we go, tell people about Jesus. Great Commission, when it says go make disciples of all nations, that go, you've heard this before, it's better translated as we go. So it's really it's not the idea like you have to wait till some destination like you don't have to wait till you get to Egypt or you you, you get to San Francisco or you 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 know wherever that is for you and then like oh man then now like now God is going to do something The idea is you don't have to wait for some destination and then once you get there, make disciples. It's much more, much more. The daily walk with Christ. It's the journey with Christ. That as you go, every morning, noon, and night, as you go. Hey, church, come on, as you go, every morning, noon, and night, as you go, make disciples. As you go into your workplace, come on, make disciples. As you go into your school, make disciples. As you go into your living room, your bedroom, make disciples. Well, bedroom that's oh my goodness, I can't believe I just said that. That's hilarious. <laughs> That is hilarious. <laughs> but as you go, as you go, that changes things, doesn't it? If you think you have to go somewhere to finally make disciples compared to as you go make disciples, it's a, it's a different ballgame. And I love that promise. I love that he says, and this is the greatest part for me. He says, and as you go, guess who goes with you? Jesus. There's a great comfort in that. As you go, every step of the way, the Holy Spirit is with you, right? He says, I am with you always. And this is huge because in Jesus' earthly ministry, he sends them out, doesn't he? Sends them out, they leave Jesus, and then they return to Jesus. Or he sent them out, and then he says, wait for me, and I'm coming. So he sends them out, and and then he comes and finds them. But with his resurrection, this is so powerful for us in 2024... We have this powerful, beautiful gift. Do we understand the powerful, beautiful gift that we have in the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit who is in our lives, who actually goes with us. I'm going to talk a little bit more about the Holy Spirit in just a second. But I I just want you to hear this. So wherever you go after today, you're going to go all kinds of places. There's I don't know how many people in this room. You're all going to go to wherever you go. So Taco Time, Walmart, Super Bowl Party, wherever it is. But you are going to go by the power of the Holy Spirit. Take comfort that He goes with you. Now, I want to look at this reality of the Holy Spirit just a little bit because it's important that we understand the Holy Spirit's role in all of this. At the beginning of the book of Acts, again, this is after Jesus' resurrection, right before he ascends to the right hand of the Father, Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, don't go. Pretty much, right? He says, do not leave Jerusalem. Stay here. Why are they staying, church? That's right. They have to wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. He says, the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Three verses later, you're going to receive power. Everybody say power. Power Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. But he doesn't stop there. It's a comma. It says, and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So at this point, all of them are in Jerusalem. They're in Jerusalem. But Jesus is saying, don't go yet, I want you to stay here, receive the power of the Holy Spirit, and then you're going to go. You're going to go. But I want you to see this, church, and I'm going to walk us through a couple of stories. I want you to see how as they go, the Holy Spirit goes with them, and he empowers them along the way. So throughout the the book of Acts, you see this, I don't have time to go through all the stories, I just want to give you two of them. Uh, The first story I think of is Acts chapter 10, a powerful story in Acts chapter 10. You guys have probably heard of it. There's a man named Cornelius. He's a centurion. He's over at Caesarea by the sea. I visited some of the ruins over there uh, when I went to Israel and pretty, pretty powerful uh, experience. But I'll tell you, he, he has this vision and an angel of God appears to Cornelius. And the angel of God appears to Cornelius and he says, I need you, or call, or ask Peter to come to your house. So he sends out some of his men to go find Peter. Around the same time, Peter, Peter, one of those 12, right, close disciples of Jesus, around the same time, Peter has a vision. So Cornelius has a vision, Peter has a a vision. In Peter's vision, he's eating these four-footed animals, reptiles, birds, And this would just be crazy talk for Peter, because Peter is a good Jewish man, and and he would have thought those things are impure, that they're unclean. It's something in his life he's never done before. And yet, in the vision, the Lord tells him this, and, and you guys know this phrase, he says, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Remember that? He says, Peter, don't call anything impure that God has made clean. Scripture tells us that this happens three times. So now Peter's like, man, what does this all mean? He's pondering the vision. At that time, Cornelius' men find Peter, find where he's living, and they say, hey, we really want to speak to Peter because we want to ask Peter to come to Cornelius' house. So it's really important that we see what happens next. Verse 19, while Peter is still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Church, he goes. Why does he go? Because the Holy Spirit is leading him to go. Some of us sometimes can't even get down the stairs. But he goes. He goes. And does he go by himself? No. He goes full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Just picture that. Just picture that. As he walks, who walks with him? Every step of the way. Some of you need to hear this for your own lives today. Mm. I'm not walking alone. I'm walking full of the power and authority that's found in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Gets to Cornelius' house. When he gets to the house, there's a large gathering of people. Peter says to them, this is so good. He goes, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So Peter begins to tell them about Jesus. Look what happens. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished at the gift of the Holy Spirit that had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. He's like, whoa. This, this changes everything. He's like, well, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. I mean, they've received the Holy Spirit just as we have, so he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. It's beautiful. It's powerful. This is a game changer. It's incredible. My heart just reading that story every time. I'm like, this is amazing. The spirit of God has come upon Gentiles, non-Jewish people who receive Peter's message about Jesus and they're baptized. But then think of it this way. So Peter, he's walking and he's not walking alone. He's walking full of the Holy Spirit. He comes to Cornelius and Cornelius's household. He starts talking about Jesus. The Holy Spirit falls on them. Those people didn't stay in that room. This is where you get goosebumps, right? Because then these people, full of the Holy Spirit, they went out. You know it, right? They went out. They began to tell people about Jesus. The Holy Spirit falls on those people. 2024, think of it this way. We're at at the end of a 2,000-year-long chain. Come on, of people doing just that. And I don't know about you. I don't want to be the one that breaks that chain. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad that Peter went down the stairs? Right? Come on. Aren't you We've all said no to going down the stairs before, every one of us. Aren't you glad that Peter went down the stairs? Again, I, mean, I go back to that original small group of 12. What if they just stayed in their their circle? And man, it would have been the best circle ever. I would have wanted to be in that circle. They would have been fellowshipping with each other, eating together, praying together, growing together. They would have grown old together. They would have died. and, And it would have been just this beautiful story. And it would have been their story, like just an incredible story. But it would have been their story. And praise the Lord that didn't happen because they chose to be a part of the greater story of what God was doing in the world. Oh man, this hits my heart deep. This is what I want to be a part of. The greater story of God. And the only way you get to be a part of the greater story is if you go where the Lord is calling you to go. Now we also know this going costs them their lives. If you don't believe that, well, read the Bible. Most of those disciples never have the privilege of growing old. They just don't. And it's interesting when Mary went to Jordan last year or when Mary went to Egypt a couple of weeks ago, many people asked whether it was safe or not. And we, we value that sentiment. We appreciate the concern. But between us, as we discussed that, we were always a little confused by that question. Because as we read the New Testament, as we read the story of Jesus' followers, it doesn't seem like safety goes along with a lot of their stories. Now, are they safe in the Lord's arms? Absolutely. In that, they are safe in that he's not going to let anyone or anything separate them from the love that is found in Christ Jesus. They're safe in that they have an inheritance in the Lord that no one, including the enemy himself, can steal away from them. And yes, I believe the Lord protects. And yes, I believe the Lord defends. But read the Bible. Read the stories of great Christian movements. Or not. Or we just pretend none of that ever happened. Like we just just say, nope, and I'm just going to be safe forever. Or open our eyes, church, that in this world, you're going to have trouble. But take heart, he has overcome the world. The very best often lose their lives for Christ. Someone in our reading plan just a couple of weeks ago, they, they asked us to watch a video of this great move of God in Columbia. And I think the point of the movie was that... prayer and the power of prayer. And maybe you've seen that video. If you've done any training at Northwest, they would show this video as well. It's a great move of God. But if you watch the video, there is a turning point, a catalytic moment. You know where I'm going with this. And this moment, this catalytic moment that really causes things to take off. And you can guess what I'm about to say. It happens when one of the pastors is killed by two hitmen. After that gentleman is shot to death, There was not a stadium big enough to contain the mighty move of God in that city. Or consider the book of Acts. Again, this is what we live by. It's scripture. In scripture, the death of Stephen, it causes a great persecution to break out. It breaks out in Jerusalem. It's a scary time. They must have been so afraid. But look what happens. It says that the believers scattered. And it says they scattered on the day of his death. That's what scripture says. It says on that day, the day of his death, the day of his stoning, an awful way to die. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Interesting. Because remember, I just gave you a scripture From the book of Acts, where Jesus said, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria. Interesting. Because now a persecution breaks out. They are scattered and they are scattered to exactly the places that Jesus said they would go. Judea, Samaria. But it all starts with the death of Stephen. Stephen. It's like what Jesus says himself in John chapter 12. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Praise the Lord. But Look at verse 26. And this was just speaking to my heart this week. Whoever serves me must follow me. Whoever serves me must follow me. You see that in the disciples. They followed Jesus. They followed the Lord. And where I am, my servant also will be. So again, I don't know how safe it is to follow Jesus. But if you love the Lord, you must follow the Lord. Nothing compares to following Jesus. Nothing compares to following Jesus. And I'm not saying to have a death wish. Don't be foolish. That would be silly. You don't need to be looking for trouble. Trouble will find you. Right? Don't be foolish. Don't be careless in the way you live your life. Wait for the little guy to come up on the crosswalk before you, you know, go across the street. Be smart. And I'm not saying I don't, I'm not saying even look for trouble. What I'm saying is if you love him and if you serve him and if you're growing in him, then you got to follow him, whatever that means. Again, you don't need to be looking for trouble, but you must go. You must go where he is leading you to go. You see this in the Apostle Paul. Don't you love Paul? Oh, my goodness, Paul. I love Paul. If you if you want a letter to read, read Colossians or read Galatians. Paul, I mean, it's just Paul. Wow. I love the Apostle Paul. But Paul, he was like top of the top. He was a well-educated man, a well-respected man of authority in the Jewish community. And I was thinking about this the other day. If, you know, say yes to Jesus, but kind of just keep it personal. If Paul would have just kind of kept it quiet, kind of kept it to himself. Again, he has a radical conversion, but just kind of, you know, I'm just going to. Put here, I got Jesus now. I'm going to kind of put Jesus in my back pocket and just kind of continue to do the thing I've been doing. I mean, he could have lived a pretty comfortable and long life. And yet when Jesus came into Paul's life, when the Holy Spirit, come on, it's so good. When the Holy Spirit came into Paul's life, he gave all of it up. All of it up. In Philippians 3, he gives this like brag, like it's a humble brag about who he was before he became a Christian. He calls himself some pretty intense things, like pretty top of the top kinds of things. He says he is the Hebrew of Hebrews. He says this about himself. I don't know anyone who has ever said such a thing, but he says that as for righteousness based on the law, he says that he was faultless. I mean, come on, like that's faultless, faultless, faultless. faultless. Righteousness under the law, I was faultless. But look at this, Philippians 3, 7 and 8. I want us to hear his words today. He says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost how much? everything, but I consider all of that, all of that garbage that I may gain Christ. And he walks this out, doesn't he? He walks this out. He endures a lot for Christ. I don't have time to go into all of this, but there's this scene in Acts 14, verse 19. My dad used to share this one a lot with me. About following the Lord. And my dad is. I know he's not here today. But one of the best examples I know of this. he He's just like you follow the Lord. Whatever that means. And he would use this passage. Because look at this. It says some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. And won the crowd over. They stoned Paul. They dragged him outside of the city. Thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him. He got up. And he went back into the city. He went back into the city. Are you willing to go back into the city that just beat you up? Now, again, if the Lord ain't calling you to go back into that city, run away from the city and run away fast. But if the Holy Spirit is leading you to that city. Yeah. Is this challenging anybody else? couple chapters later, chapter 16, the Holy Spirit forbids him from going one place. This is really good. Holy Spirit says you can't go that place. You've got to go another place. This is how they get to Macedonia. Paul has this a vision of a man in Macedonia. He's begging him to come, begging him to help them. And so Paul and his companions, they head this direction. Eventually this leads to Paul's ministry to Lydia. Remember Lydia and her household? The whole household is saved all because they allowed the Holy Spirit to send them, to to lead them. And yes, Paul, he faces many challenges, many obstacles, and yet as he obeys the Lord, people are reached with the good news of Jesus. And again, I am not telling you to look for trouble. I am not saying to just put yourself in harm's way for the sake of putting yourself in harm's way. I'm not saying don't walk in wisdom, but come on. We live in a culture right now that is addicted to comfort. All I mean, I am, I am... I cannonball into that stream so often. It's a little cold. Got to turn up the heat. I'm a little thirsty. Drink some. I am so comfortable. My clothes are a little dirty. I put it in the laundry. I'm a little hungry. I open the fridge. I want to go somewhere. I drive in my car. Come on, church. We have so many things that make us comfortable. And how often do we say no to God because things get a little uncomfortable? Have you ever been to a church service and it got a little uncomfortable? You're like, I'm never coming back there. Right? I just, I don't know. I didn't like that. I thought we were going to talk about love and just, I don't know. Just poking right at No, the Lord says, go, we go. If the Lord says, go, we go. If the Lord says, go, we go. And we don't just Go. But we go in a way that probably has tears, has a mix of emotions, happy and sad. And, but we go. We trust in the Lord. We put our trust in God. We put our faith in God. And we know that he's not just sending us out. He's not like, good luck. No, he's the God who goes with us. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. He's the God who's with us every step of the way. And here's the deal. Most of us aren't probably going to go to Ghana or Belize like Pastor Jesse and Debbie. Most of us aren't going to go to Jordan or Egypt like Pastor Mary. But you might go to the grocery store. You might go to Ranchitos or Puerto Vallarta. You might go to your child's school or PTA meeting. You might go to the office. You might go back to your house, to your kids, to your spouse. And I'm just saying as your pastor, may the Lord lead you as you go. May the Lord lead you and that you want to just kind of just kind of go like the aimless, wandering, sleepwalking version of life that so many of us are addicted to. But that you would go in the name of Jesus, by the power and authority found in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that I go. That I walk into a room. I got to hang out with the Adventist church yesterday. And when I was in the car, I was just... I was just praising the Lord that I would walk in with eyes open and ears open. That I would be a part of His kingdom and the advancement of His kingdom. I said, Lord, show me what it means to bless these people. Show me what it means to love them. Show me what it means to leave somewhere better than I found it. On mission, right? On mission. On mission. Don't you want to be on mission? So many days and years I've wasted not on mission. I want my life from morning, noon, and night to be on mission with the mindset of Christ, the attitude of Christ, to make disciples of all nations. I want to share Jesus, Jesus, the love of Jesus, the life of Jesus. As I go, that wherever I go, that Jesus would come along. And as I share the good news of Jesus, people wouldn't just hear about Jesus, but they would encounter Jesus through my life. Don't you want that? I want that. Life spring. I want that for us in greater measure. And I'm proud of you for the way you do it. I, I'm, I'm proud of the stories. I love the way that you minister to people. I love the way, whether it's in Boeing or Microsoft or wherever it is, talking through insurance or talking through taxes or wherever it is, you go and you go in the power and authority of Jesus. But there's something about this moment right now that is really important. That we, in a fresh way, say, God, I make the commitment. For my life, not the person next to me, but for my life to go where you're asking me to go. Yeah. And then do you trust him? Do you trust him that as you follow the Lord, everything he has for you, it's going to happen. No one's going to steal, kill, or destroy. I ain't leaving this earth. Until the Lord asks me to leave this earth. You can trust in that. I believe in that. God has created in advance good works for me to do. I'm going to accomplish those things. So I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be worried. And I can go. I can go. So I want to pray that over you. And then after I pray, I'm going to ask Mary to come up. And she's just going to share for about five minutes about her trip to Egypt. But... I want to commission us today, church. Lord, I just pray this uh, message would resonate, that your word would resonate. I find that your scripture is much more challenging than any words I've said today. Your scripture holds us to a higher standard than anything a pastor has said from this platform. And so, God, show us what it looks like to once again live according to scripture. By your word and by your spirit. Would you give our hearts comfort? Many of us feel alone. Many of us feel like we're making decisions on our own. That really, no one is there to help us. No one is there to, to lead us. And so, Holy Spirit, would you make yourself known again in a personal way? Where we have known none of us are making a decision on our own. You are leading us. You are calling us. You're speaking to our hearts. It's you that is leading. We don't go just because we go. We go because you've called us to go. Lord, some of us, we realize we are paralyzed. In this moment, we're paralyzed with fear. We're paralyzed with a a list of pros and cons. And yet, Lord, would you just, right now, I just pray this prophetically over this group, Lord, would you unstick our feet and help us get downstairs? I think some of us just need to whisper that to the Lord because we're struggling to go. And yet, Lord, you can help us take that first step. For Joshua to cross Over the Jordan. He had to take that first step. They had to take that step of faith. Lord show us what it looks like. To take that step of faith. To go. Lord I think of all the. Lost people. That are waiting for us to go. The depressed. The discouraged. The addicted. The downtrodden. The outcast. The outsider. That are waiting. For that good news of Jesus. They're waiting to hear the salvation that is found in Jesus. Oh, Lord, would we be brave, strong and courageous today to go. To go and do what you're asking us to do. That many people would come to salvation. That they would hear, receive and believe in the good news of Jesus. So commission us today, Lord. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Give us your discernment. Give us your wisdom. And may we go in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said.